Well, hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Life. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, well, if you're watching the White Sox right now, you're probably doing a lot like me, and uh, you're not happy with what you're watching. But uh, you know. It's a hiccup after an eventful week of uh, White Sox baseball, so I'm not going to be too hard on them. And, uh, you know, here we are sitting on uh, on a Monday, May 8th evening. And uh got to say, pretty excited about uh, what's going on in the world of the Blackhawks right now. So, you know, a little, little, little something-something happening on the uh, Connor Bedard front. Yes, indeed. If you are unaware, whoa, uh, the Blackhawks won the draft lottery, and they have the number one pick in the NHL draft. So that's exciting. Um, pretty stoked about that. So that's good. Um, I mean, it's pretty doing, much man? a foregone conclusion that it's going to be Bedard, I would imagine. But uh, uh, I mean, if it isn't. You know, there might be some questions raised, but uh, who knows what happens between now and then. It's true. I mean, uh, they could pull a Bears and then trade down for the ninth pick or whatever. <laughs> Highly unlikely in, in hockey, yeah. it, it, during, especially during this draft. Would hope the, not. Uh, the top two or three spots are pretty highly coveted players. I don't think you're going to, especially the top two, honestly. I don't think you're going to trade away for, you know, and with a with a club like the Blackhawks that's uh in basically a state of full on rebuild at the moment uh this is the building block that they could have hoped for yeah so you don't uh you don't trade possible generational talent away when you have the chance to get it you know absolutely especially considering that uh you know both Taze and Kane have finally done their uh their uh, last runs with the team, they need to uh, refresh and get something out there. So I don't see them. Yeah, I remember when, uh, you know, when the when the when the Kane leaving the Hawks this year, there was you know thoughts that there could possibly be a reunion next year, being that he was a unrestricted free agent. But since then, we all pretty much know that they've closed the book on that, and uh, both sides seem to see uh, seem to think that they've gone their separate ways for good. So. Uh, you know, Connor Bedard. Well, you know, if the Hawks had gotten two and 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 had a chance at uh, what's his name, Fantili or whatever is, it, uh, you know, the other guy. <laughs> uh, I'm drawing a blank on Fantili. Yeah, I think that's what his name. Chantilly is. Chantilly Lace. Anyway, yeah, something like that. Uh, you know, would have been happy with either one of those. But right now, it's looking like Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard, baby. Bedard, Bedard, bad for Bedard. Looks like they did play bad for Bedard, and it worked. Barely, because they certainly tried to uh, win win a little bit too much there, from my liking, at the end, you know, down the stretch. So, well, it's the difference between uh, the Blackhawks and the White Sox. The Blackhawks have a a very good developmental system, uh, as opposed to the White Sox, who you know seem to be lacking in that department. Uh, and the, you know, the Hawks seem to just have this rotating door of. Uh, young players who can uh, kind of come up and do something. Maybe they're not all exactly superstars, but they're all gamers. And, uh, you know, they brought up some talent this year that uh, you would think wasn't going to gel the way it did, but 
they uh they never laid down and gave up so good for them uh you know to do what they did and good for them to have a, a rookie head coach that uh pushed them to heights that they were not expected to make even though you know they were the second lowest uh point getter in uh the NHL we didn't expect to see some of the wins that they got this season so yeah yeah, it was just one of those things where, you know, down the stretch, those were the ones that kind of made you nervous that, you know, they weren't going to end up getting, you know, a decent amount of uh, right. ability to get that first pick. But, hey, they got it. All good. Yeah. Well, um, hello. Welcome to Blackhawks Daily Live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. I mean talking about the White Sox tonight anyway? Yeah, I mean, after watching that <laughs> inning just a few minutes ago, um the White Sox are down twelve to four now, going to uh, what is it? The top of the seventh, I think, or mid seventh. Uh, we just entered the bottom of the seventh. Yeah. So with uh, Pasquatch here, yeah. White Sox losing twelve four. Blah. But on the on the pl- you know on the plus side of things, they have just won their first two series and in a row here uh, the last couple of days. Um, Went two and one against the Twins and two and one against the Reds, and the final game against the Reds was a laugher. They scored f- what eleven runs in one inning. Uh, the issue being that they must have decided, you know, the bullpen must have come together. Well, actually, the entire pitching staff because Cease was terrible today too. Um, yeah, they must have just made a, a pact to give up as many runs as they scored yesterday. So. And unfortunately, they don't have a day off for a week now. So, uh, you know, it was a, a, you know, I'm glad that Cease went as long as he did, but um, this bullpen is just, uh, the bullpen usage is just out of control. These starters, they can't go deep in games, and it's just costing the bullpen appearances. And, uh, you know, I heard, you know, Benetti said a little while ago that uh, Jimmy Lambert's on pace for 81 appearances. That's not good. No. Um, and I know that a couple of the other guys have to be up around there as well. Although with the way bummers, you know, I mean, we've talked many times about bummer being babbit to death. Uh, tonight was not that. Uh, no, he was he just got... getting hit hard. Mm, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, Got beat like a drum. Yep. It's, it's, I, I'm sorry if I'm stammering a little bit here, you know, but uh, I sitting here watching that game. I, I, I couldn't think of anything really good to say about that performance tonight. He left some balls, you know, over the heart of the plate, and they got hit hard. Yeah. I mean, that's been a thing for, you know, Cease a lot, you know, pretty much a ton through the season so far and that's why you see his numbers are just not not there i mean people talk about his velocity being down a little bit they talk about a slider not having quite as much uh you know as much i of, think that's the big thing is yeah the slider it just isn't breaking the way the same way as it had been well i mean yeah there's that but it's also you know him just leaving pitches over the heart of the plate you know and i, I know i saw uh Jordan Lazowski saying, why are you throwing fastballs in the middle of the zone? And it was just like a, a, you know, happening over and over and over again. And it just, 
It's one of those things is just, you know, you watch it and you're just like, well, yeah, of course they're going to hit it hard because it's, you know, 96, 97 miles an hour over the heart of the plate. And it's not really, you know, you're not getting a whole lot of movement out of it. It's just, it's, it's not going well for him so far. Um, you know, I mean, he's had a couple of appearances that have been pretty good, but there's been more clunkers than good so far this season. I would, I would say, you know, um, certainly not not what was you know not what happened last year even close to that so yeah it's it's frustrating um yeah officer doofy this is the uh canapolis q this is the uh canapolis just wore these last week um for a couple of games during their series last week um bring up thompson and mena throw them against the a's or another crappy team and get their feet wet yeah, I you know, with the way Maine has been pitching, I wouldn't 100% not be surprised if he's in Charlotte in a couple of weeks with the way it's been going cuz he's just looked I mean, really just, nasty. Yeah. Yeah, Christian Mena is uh one of the, I mean there's a few bright spots down in, in the farm right now, but uh he's definitely one of them. He's he's been a joy at least to watch, you know, as I do not have the MILB package. He's been a joy to watch in uh, the White Sox Daily recaps. Just, you know, really, really fun stuff going on. Yeah. And like the thing, you know, I noted last last start was the the lack of uh, curveballs thrown because that's been like one of the knocks on him for the last, uh, you know, for the last year. Plus that, uh, you know, he got most of his outs with the curveball and he's, you know, he's obviously he's still getting outs with the curveball, but he's throwing more fastballs and more changeups, which is a very good development because he needs to have all of those pitches working if he's going to uh, make his way through the system. Um, yeah, especially, you know, like with the uh, with the the Knights um, with. Um, Sean Burke not having, you know, enough room on, you know, he's not, his pitch counts are getting elevated fairly quickly and he's getting yanked pretty early. Um, you know, he's coming back from injury, so that's to be expected, but, uh, you know, the command hasn't necessarily been there. And that was one of the things about him in college is that there was a, uh, command issues, whether he was going to be able to, uh, continue to you know, come here and have good command and whatever. And he had decent command so far. Um, but so far this year, after the coming back from the injury, it just hasn't been there. So um, short outings. So I don't know. I, I kind of think that, uh, you know, everybody had Burke pegged as the, the next guy who is going to make a run at the rotation but as it stands right now, I mean, it's looking like Mena has a real shot to to move. So we'll see what happens here in the near future. I think there's going to be some uh, some promotions and demotions coming here in the in the next couple of weeks because it's getting to that time where they start doing uh, start moving some guys around. And I mean, they've been doing it so far, but it's so far it's been to move guys up to the major league roster. So they had to fill, you know, backfill spots, right. You know, right. uh, moving, you know, like, uh, Nate Mondu and, you know, a couple other guys around. 
which, you know, has, has worked out, you know, I mean, uh, some of the guys are doing well in Charlotte and doing well in Birmingham just from getting moved around. So, um, I mean, I, I can't imagine uh, a starting staff with the way Christian Mano has been pitching right now. I can't imagine what that starting staff is going to be like if he does get moved. And he's not even, you know, he, he, he's, he's going to be probably middle to the lower end of that rotation. Especially when you've got Shanley pitching the way he is right now. Yeah, he had a rough and, one. Uh, you know, it's going to happen. But... You're not going to you're not going to pitch perfect every game. But uh, Garrett Shanley and, and and Christian Mayna on the same staff is going to be a, a wowzers kind of thing. That I think it's going to be really enjoyable to watch. I mean, there are some there are some guys that are turning some heads. Uh, Mason Adams down in uh, down in Kannapolis. Um, he's been throwing in relief down there, and uh, he's thrown like four innings, I think, twice in the last. Uh, he took over for, uh, let me think, I think it was Tanner McDougal he took over for both times. And uh, the last time that he just took over in the game, he pitched four innings, and I think he struck out nine. And uh, his curveball is just disgusting. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been some, there, there are definitely some, some positive things going on in the farm. Um, there's, you know, some you stuff talk about, you know, nasty curveballs. Uh, you know, we, we showed the, uh, the Tristan Stivers oh, yeah. uh, video a couple weeks back. And, you know, again, if you keep an eye on White Sox Twitter, uh, and White Sox daily live feed specifically, uh, you're gonna catch some pretty good stuff from Tristan Stivers. That guy has got some healthy movement, man. Yeah, it's gross. His, his curveball. I mean, like Mason Adams is like, it's pretty close, right there with him. Yeah, right yeah. And the him. thing is, is that he's you know he's throwing like, you know, four innings. So you know, I right, wouldn't right. be surprised if he's uh, you know, if they're getting him ready to you know finally start, you know, start some games. The problem is, is in Kannapolis, they got a ton of guys that can start. So there's been, um, you know, not that there's been a shortage of innings per se, because there's been some, uh, there's been some clunkers out there, you know, in some of the starts. But the thing is, is that, you know, when a guy goes and gets yanked, you know, after like 0.2 innings pitched or something like that, you know, it's like, well, you know, guys got to get up and start getting warm and everything. And, you know, it ends up going to bullpen guys and whatever. But, yeah. Um, says, uh, Officer Doofy says, you have a starter and piggyback. So if you notice, they all share the same amount of innings. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. There's, you know, there's a, there is a lot of that. There's a lot of those. Uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, Peyton Paulette, he had a short outing, his last outing, um, only made it point two. And uh, you know, like the, the, the home plate umpire was pretty, you know, it was kind of like trying to throw through a teacup, but, um, yeah, he says it hurts the relievers though. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. Um, but I mean, with Kannapolis in particular, there are a couple of bullpen guys that, uh, you know, Billy Seidel is the, uh, you know, You've got him closing games down there. Um, there's a couple of guys in the bullpen that I'm, you know, worried about getting innings. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I'm not worried about them not getting innings. You know, 
kind of the, the guys that I, you know, I didn't name any names at this point, but uh, I think there's a couple of guys okay. who are going to, you know, phase themselves out within the next year or so. Um, so, well, and I mean, that's really what, you know, that's what these uh, A level parts of the system are for, really. You're going to see the guys who just weren't going to quite make it uh, find their way into uh, other areas of employment. You know, uh, it just is what it is, uh, especially when you're drafting young like the White Sox have been uh, in recent years. You're going to see some of those guys just uh, weed themselves out of the system on their own. But, you know, as we've been saying, there is that there there is a contingent of talent down there that looks you know pretty promising at this point you know and as they progress to the levels some of those names that we're watching now might change some uh you know the jump from even advanced a to uh double a is uh quite a leap you know because as we've talked about in streams past uh in in the in low a and advanced a there's a, a range, an age range that's usually a little bit more of a gap than, say, double A AA and triple A, where you've got high school players or guys that are, you know, recently out of high school playing with guys who are, you know, have been through a few years of college and maybe even into their early 20s with some of these guys who are, you know, late bloomers, where you don't see that as much in double A and triple A, unless, of course, we're talking about the age gap between, you know, overage veterans playing against youngsters. That's really the only time you're going to see that. But, uh, you know, as these guys kind of move up into double A and triple A, you might see a couple more of them weed themselves out. But there is a lot of promise. There really is a lot of fun happening down there to lower levels. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Dash have just been rolling. Yeah. The Dash, uh, you know, leading, leading the league right now in a lot of categories, not just wins. So, yeah, well, just, I mean, unfortunately, to... you know, like this, this is like I, I get it. Like one of the top comments I get is, um, you know, and Dan Victor, our Dan Victor has has said the same thing: is that Tim Elko should not be at can at Candy anymore. And I gotta say, yeah, a hundred percent, I agree that the competition for him at at Canapolis is is uh, a little bit lacking. I mean, you know, he's SEC guy. You know, was great in the College World Series run. Um, you know, playing yeah, on a torn he's, ACL, he's just and, making his way back. To, yeah, exactly. Uh, but game speed. The thing about the the thing about it is, you've got people complaining that he's still in Canapolis. You know, saying that he should be called up. You know, and I I think some people think you know that he should be called up to the major leagues. But um, you know, like the thing is, is that he's got a. The the guy playing first base in Winston Salem right now is uh you know, or or at least one of the guys that does play first base on a, a fairly normal thing is uh DJ Gladney, you know? And uh Officer Doofy just mentioned him mentioned it as well. He says Elko has nowhere to get go. DJ got hot at the same exact time. And somebody has to go to double A. So that that's exactly it, is that somebody has to go to double A first to open up a spot there. And, uh, you know, I mean, 
we're still early in the season, but uh, you know, DJ Gladney cooled off a little bit this week. And it wasn't that he didn't hit the ball hard a few times. Um, it's just that uh, you know the hits weren't falling, and he did strike out a few you know few times more than he has so far. So um, he cooled off a little bit, but I mean, I assume that he's probably going to be uh, between him and uh, Wilfred Veras, you know, and Terrell Tatum. All three of those guys deserve to you know move up and play against some better competition. And in order for, you know, these, you know, the guys that are a little bit older, you know, in Kannapolis for them to go up, somebody's got to vacate a spot for them to be able to have, you know, playing time. They don't want to move somebody up to a place where they're not going to be able to play. So it it doesn't make sense to move these guys yet. And uh, until you move somebody at the higher levels, you know, what sense does it make, you know? So, Right. right. Yeah, uh, Officer Doofy says uh, Elko should be in double A and prove he can hit the breaking pitch consistently. Yeah, I you know, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I I don't know. I'm kind of of the, the thought process in, in the lower levels is that I want to see them do it on a level per level basis. In, in, my, in my personal opinion is that I'd like to see from him go to Kannapolis – and then go to advanced day. And, you know, if he still puts up nice numbers, I mean, I'm not saying he has to put up a, a 970 OPS or whatever it is that he's got right now. He doesn't have to put that up in Winston-Salem. But, you know, if he's still cruising at like a 880, 900, then you bump him up again, see if he can continue to do it, you know? Yeah, do you think uh, Do you think Coach Barquette shares in that uh, train of thought as far as, you know, progressing to every level well i mean and and i'm only asking this because i know that you have uh, you know a little bit even if it's uh, the smallest of relationships with coach barquette i know you've had some conversations with them uh i'm just thinking that uh you know maybe you might have a little insight on what he feels i haven't talked to him uh, this year he's been kind of he's been kind of mia and he's you know like i don't I don't blame him whatsoever. I mean, there's so many guys that that he's working with right now, and you know, you've seen some really nice, some really nice stuff from a lot of these hitters. And you know, I mean, just you know, like one of the things that was addressed was Uelki Cespedes's, you know, willingness to swing at pitches outside the strike zone, and that's calmed down quite a bit this year. Um, the issue being that there's still you know swing and miss there at pitches in the zone, not. Met, you know, not to mention the pitches that are out of the zone that he still does swing at, you know, um, but the, the walk rates up significantly. And that was like one of the things that they tabbed that they wanted to work with him on and it's worked. And like, there's a, a lot of things that Barquette's doing really, really well down there uh, with these guys and developing them. Um, but you all can eat some of those orange tinted uh, contacts like AJ. Had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see, Officer Doofy, it's just so hard and low and high A because pitchers are so inconsistent that 1AB, you're seeing the strikes. The next year, pray for your life, you don't get drilled. Well, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You know, it's, uh, you know, I mean, you see it with, uh, especially, you know, like if you watch it enough, you see it, see it even from the best guys, you know, and you're like, you know, um, like Matthew Thompson, he could go for five innings. 
you know, just, you know, uh, littering the strike zone with baseballs, you know, with his breaking ball, with his fastball, with his changeup, slider, like all that stuff is hitting in the zone or, you know, very late movement out of the zone. But then there'll be an inning where he's just, he can't get out of his own way. And, you know, the consistency just isn't there for a lot of these guys. You can see the stuff. But the consistency is one of those things that's like one of the last things to develop. So, uh, you know, that's why I don't personally freak out when I see a bad start or two, you know. Now, if we, you know, we talk about guys that uh, are consistently walking guys all over the place, um, you know, which we've seen in numerous, numerous times. We we don't want to talk about that. Yeah, no. Um, it's uh, you're not gonna put that stink on the show tonight, man. No. We'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll keep that out. The of Zox here have put enough stink in one inning, uh, on on my mood. So, uh, well, at least they scored a run. Hunter Alberto, RBI, knocks they in did. Uh, Luis Robert, who got hit by a pitch. So that's we got that going for us. Yeah, uh, always good to see. You know, uh. We talked about how the Sox had, you know, they had finally won two series back to back. And it's only been a week since our last show. And I think uh, I kind of said, that, like, towards the end of that show last week, like, let's start. You know, we were talking about the goals for the White Sox and the, and the uptick, you know, and hopefully turning things around. Uh, I even threw that, you know, goofy power of 10 things out there, you know, <laughs> the, the, the numbers and the stars and whatever. But, uh, you know, one of the things we said was, let's start with winning two games back-to-back. And they did that. And then they won a series. And then they won two series. And I don't know if maybe it was just uh, a strength of schedule thing, as we've talked about a little bit. You know, they did run into some lesser teams here uh, as of late, as opposed to, you know, the teams that uh, they had been facing. I don't want to, you know, say that they're bum slaying by any means, but uh, oh no, <laughs> you turn your eyes away from the TV. Oh, I'm not. I, I, you're about to see one of the worst botch plays. John John Rudels has taken over the TV with uh, NHL playoffs, which I can't say that I necessarily blame him because uh, the oh. Luis Robert, Let's just say, error, huh? mm-hmm. Luis Robert, yeah, just, I mean, if you're going to do that, you might as well do, you know, seven or eight. Yeah, just just blow it all in one night and give up 20 get runs. Out. And then, yeah, uh, out of your system, then, like Grimtall says, let's see how they respond tomorrow. And like the thing is, I don't, the, the one, one thing that I definitely don't want to see is I don't want to see them split with the Royals. But, uh. I'll take that over losing three to the Royals, but uh, I'd like to see them win three out of these four, out of the four here. But uh, it's looking like they're going to have to win three in a row and, and able to you know be able to do that. You know, so well, the Sox get the sticks one more time, and unless they come alive, that's exactly what we're going to be hoping for here. Yeah, I mean, if they score seven, eight runs, I'll be uh, pretty shocked. But, you know, hey, they do have a uh, bullpen that has an ERA pretty close to the White Sox. So it's entirely possible (laughs) that uh, they could give up that many runs. Um, 
I think they are one spot ahead of the White Sox in bullpen ERA. Sounds right. Yeah, no bueno. Ooh, batter timeout with two strikes. Did that just happen? I think it did. Oh, that would be amazing. Strikeout on a batter timeout on 0-2? Oh, okay. All right. No. It was batter timeout for the second. No, because that was 96.9. Then what the heck is this batter timeout thing? Why does it say batter timeout on on game day? What the heck? Anywho. Um, uh, maybe it was 1-2. No, it sure looked like it was after 0-2. Yeah. He stepped out of the box. Well, they gave him a second chance, apparently. They said, no, you get more chances. You don't have to be out. So, um, yeah. Um, we had uh, two affiliates go 4-2 and two this week. Uh, Dash and the, and the Knights both went 4-2, and two, which was very nice that the, the Knights did it because it was against the Braves AAA team, which actually has some... Uh, you know, like some legit guys on the team. So that that's nice is that uh the Knights were able to, you know, hold hold court, if you will, um with with the stripers. So that was nice. Um I don't know, did you happen to happen oh, to catch the, the game yesterday? The the highlights for uh, yesterday's game? Uh some. He scored eighteen runs yesterday. Uh, Yoan Moncada went three for three with two singles and a home run. Uh, scored, uh, I think he scored three times and had two RBIs. And, uh, yeah, they, they took him out behind the woodshed, gave him a whooping. So that was nice. Um, yeah, the Dash played the, uh, the Pirates advanced A team. And they've got some, they've got some guys on that team that are like legit prospects. Um, one of which being uh, trying to think of who the pitcher was yesterday. Uh, he's their seventh, seventh ranked prospect. Maybe. And I'm trying to remember what they, and they ended up losing the game yesterday because if, they, if you're as bad as the pirates have been for the last few years, you better have some, at least a handful of guys down there at a low end, uh, you know, who are, possibly could be somebody yeah there's there's uh there's there's a bit of that ah bubba chandler he's their uh seventh ranked uh oh. prospect um starting pitcher the uh the dash chased them twice this week nice. and knocked him out of the game you know obviously quicker than he would like um i don't remember how many runs they put on him but it was they, they did a nice job. The and the unfortunate thing so is, you, that, so you're saying is a for, formerly number rank seven. Oh no, he's <laughs> yeah. I mean the guys the guys got great stuff. Um, but I mean, you know, as as far as advanced A teams go, that uh, that Sorry. dash lineup is is tough. Watching you know? this White Sox team makes me rip heaters like nobody's business. No doubt. Yeah, they're they're quit smoking and start drinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's been uh, certainly been an adventure. I mean, obviously tonight is terrible, but hey, I mean we did get at least a couple of decent series in a row, and you know yeah, after it's a pretty good baseball here lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not mad about that. Yeah, and you know after I'm, we I'm talked, still remaining positive. 
after we talked bad yeah. about Luis Robert last week, you know, he went out and uh, he's basically got a 500, 500 average over the last week. So, uh, I mean, pat- I said maybe we should call him dumb more often. Yeah. Just pat ourselves on the back for that one. He was listening. Somebody in the clubhouse was listening and said, look, these guys, these people are calling you dumb. That's probably what it stupid. is. Yeah. And he was like, oh, well, you can't have that. Need to get motivated. So you're welcome. You're welcome, Luis, for giving you the motivation you needed to get out there and show us all how wrong we are. <laughs> I got a question for you. Um, I've seen Uh-oh. some people uh, talking about the White Sox home run celebration. With the uh, mm-hmm. the jacket and the hat. The hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your take on that? Are you offended? <laughs> I'm not offended. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm not exactly a huge fan. Uh, but, I mean, you know, if it makes these guys happy and they're having fun with it in the dugout, I'm all for whatever is making them come together and, and celebrate as a team and Every time one of them puts that jacket and the hat on, they're all smiles. Somebody just hit, you know, a jack. And, uh, you know, go ahead and do your thing, man. Uh, do I think the jacket is gaudy? Absolutely. You know, I'm not a, I'm not totally against the hat thing, though. I mean, you know, we are Chicago. Uh, this is a town that, uh, you know, during, especially during the, the years of uh, Prohibition, uh, was known as a gangster kind of town, you know what I mean? And now it's a kind of a gangster getup, you know, the hundred percent pinstripe jacket, the pinstripe jacket, and the fedora kind of gives you that old El Capone gangster type feel. So for whatever, I'm here for it, you know. Yeah, I don't Am know. Am I a huge kinda... fan? No, but yeah, I like the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, <laughs> they're trying to look like 1920s gangsters. Okay, um. Whatever. I I don't particularly care. I I find it uh, entertaining. Um, and like you said, if that's what these guys need, some sort of a home run celebration to uh, to get their get their stuff going, then fine. You know. Um, I mean, honestly, you know, there, I know a lot of people are like, "Hey, bring back the home run chain," and I wasn't really a big fan of that one either. Was you know it it was like throwback to uh, Flavor Flav in the nineties with the giant. Well, there's oversized, no clock on there. It's not a clock, but it's you know the oversized medallion hanging from there, the White Sox medallion hanging from it. Uh, you know, just big and gaudy and you know it uh, downright ugly in my opinion. But uh, I see these things walking around at the park now at games all the time. And you go to a game and. You know, probably a third of the fans in there are wearing them. So whatever, man. I mean, if that's what makes people happy, <laughs> by all means, go for it, dude. Who am I to poo-poo on your parade here? Yeah, uh, I'm <laughs> in uh, a chat with uh, some Cubs fans, and uh, two of them are at the game tonight. And um, Nico Horner apparently tweaked a hamstring, and it wasn't made. Uh, it, it it wasn't abundantly clear from my friend's season tickets, and uh, Ross put in Madrigal for Horner, and my friend in this chat is just going off on David Ross being an idiot for pinch running for Nico Horner with uh, with the midget, 
And uh, Grimtall happily <laughs> reminds me that uh, Magical got thrown out at home by 27 feet again tonight. Um, the base running has not matured. Still the no. same base running, which is uh, unfortunate because, you know, I, I had hopes for the guy that he was going to, you know, be a, you know, even after he got traded away. Like, I wasn't happy that it was with the Cubs, but I still thought that he was going to be a productive Major League Baseball player. You know, he's I mean, not even a starter at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's because he, you know, <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. Um, yeah, it's not good. Meanwhile, uh, my guy, um, Jared Kellenick, he's done some stuff, shown some power. And uh, Bryce Terang's done some <laughs> things. There's been some. Uh, yeah, that whole thing's frustrating. And the guy that he's playing behind now, Nico Horner, drafted, you know, like, what, 20, 20 spots behind him? And he's was out it there. Far? I it was, it was in so. the same first round of that same draft, but yeah. I, I didn't think it was that far. And maybe it was like but 15, yeah. but even still. But, you know, the funny thing is, is and I had this conversation with another uh, person that you and I actually spent the evening together with on that fateful night. Uh, we, we, we attended a draft party and I had a conversation with this person earlier this week and, you know, it was, can you, could you imagine had the white Sox? it was brought up because we were just facing Cincinnati and, and Jonathan India and the things that he was doing against the white Sox. And, uh, Jonathan India was one of those guys that was high draft boards that same year that, uh, Nick Madrigal was drafted. And I, uh, I kindly reminded our friend that, uh, not only was Jonathan India somebody on our radar, but Jared Klenick was in there. Uh, Trevor Larnick was in there. Uh, you know, Bryce Terang was in there. I mean, there was a handful of guys that we were all kind of hoping the White Sox were drafted, and we ended up with the Lilliputian. The <laughs> <So>. Lilliputian. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was sad. I wasn't, uh, you know, I was, I was, I will say, I was very entertained by the reaction that it got, but uh, I had some other guys that I would have much rather had drafted. But oh well, you know, what are you going to do? Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that um, as a few more years pass, um, Nick Hostetler was the guy who was doing the drafting. Or the White Sox. And out of those drafts, you got Zach Collins, Nick Birdie, uh, Carson Fulmer. No, no, it was no, it started with started with Collins. Uh you got Berger the next year, which was turns out that that one was probably the best draft pick that he's made, other than Vaughn, I yes, guess. That one. Um Vaughn was his last one, I believe. But then you got Madrigal in there. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's there's just uh... and then you promote him, you know, or side shuffle him, depending on how you want to look at it, to uh, pro personnel, and uh, that's been hit or miss as well. So, kind of wonder. At what point do you uh, does the finger end up pointed in that direction? 
especially with uh, the way things have gone for this rebuild, that you know, I would think that the president and the general manager would be pointing their fingers in opposite directions instead of, you know, with two fingers pointed back at themselves, you know. So, you know, you also obviously have to blame the development staff, which if you hadn't noticed the last two years, things have started to uh, change a little bit and more into the uh, positive direction. So, I don't know. You know, so the the thing about those uh, those Nick Hostetler drafts is that they were, you know, some of the later rounds they did get some guys, but the you know the all of the tanking guys, the years that the White Sox drafted really high because they were tanking, that's what you got: Nick Madrigal, Zach Collins, Zach Birdie. Got Jake Berger too, but yeah, Jake Berger. Well, I mean, Jake Berger was a second rounder. No, he's I mean, first, first in 2017. Oh no, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, who am I thinking of? Was a second rounder that's done something. Uh, 2000. Oh, maybe Gavin Sheets. I know uh, Al Hansen was a second rounder. I don't remember no, what I'm, year I'm though. Saying that, 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 yeah, it has to be Gavin Sheets. Gavin, Gavin Sheets was, was uh, I believe... Right behind Berger, wasn't he? Was, I can't remember if he was Berger's year or if he was... Uh, or if he was Zach Collins' year. I thought he was Berger's year. He might be Berger's year. Here, let's, let's look it up. Yeah, my mistake, though, on that. He, he was just thinking of... Yeah, he's Berger's year. Second was, rounder that, that stuck with the team. Yeah. Yeah, Sheets, yeah. Uh, like, you know... The thing was, is that, you know, the, the good thing about they drafted potatoes. They did draft potatoes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm. They should have at least two organization-changing guys from the draft when you had picks that high. I 100% agree. Draft uh, potatoes. I should just pause my video feed now. But uh, on the uh, <laughs> plus side is that uh, Zach Collins was leading the International League uh, with the AAA affiliate for the Guardians uh, leading in hits. So that's something, I guess. But Dan Victor told me not to be, uh, not be, not to be fooled, that he would not be hitting three eighty nine all season. And I, I, I agreed. I think uh, that's maybe, maybe overshooting what we think of Zach Collins is capable of. So, um, well, uh, that, that travesty is over. Uh, if you're watching that White Sox game, I'm sorry. That was pretty terrible. Yeah, but he's like 37 now. He's not 37. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up now. He's not even, yeah, I think he's like, what, 28? That makes sense. I don't know. Miker? Oh yeah. Did Dan you see Victor, did you see those tweets Dan flying Victor around? Posting. The uh Miker Adolfo on the uh Kansas City Monarchs playing against the Savannah Bananas. Yeah. Miker gunning from the field. Yep. Showing off that cannon. Yeah, still got that arm. Dan Victor uh, wasn't that Dan Victor that threw out the tweet saying that uh, you know, don't give up on him yet. He will be a, a major leaguer at some point. 
I mean, what and what is Micah now? Twenty five. I think he's still pretty young. Mm, I don't think considering don't he think feels he's like he's been around young. for probably the day. Twenty five or twenty, maybe twenty six. Yeah, I think he's probably twenty six. Is my guess, but twenty six. Yep. So he'll be twenty seven in September. So, you know. I guess that's uh, the about the time they say that uh, these kids these days reach their peak or, you know, start to enter their uh, their primes. But, uh, you know, maybe Miker does get a chance somewhere. Yeah, I mean, apparently there were some offers there. Um, but uh, I don't know. That uh, apparently... Stuff didn't happen the way he wanted them to, and yeah, you know, hopefully he does get a, uh, hopefully he does get a shot somewhere. I mean, you know, as even as like a fourth outfielder, but the thing is, is that you know, with how much time he missed over years and years and years, you know, just the the bat to ball skill had uh, a lot of challenges because of that, you know. Didn't Courtney Hawkins turn into Hank Aaron in indie ball? Yes, uh, Courtney Hawkins and uh, Keon Barnum as well. Both of those guys in indie ball, they turned into uh, <clears throat> Hank Aaron, I guess, if you want to say, or, uh, you know, whatever. They all hit like 30, 30 plus home runs in indie ball. So, and- yeah, in- independent league. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, well, you know, you know, hey, man. Level of talent is, uh, hey, I mean, they're still professional ball players. I'll, I'll give you that. But, uh, you know, not exactly the same as double and triple A. It is not. Uh, yeah. You know, they might, they might turn into Hank Aaron there, but <laughs> most of those guys, you know, once they hit triple A, turn into pumpkins. So, yeah. I, I Grimtall, I would advise you to not go back and look at the first first rounders year by year because you're going to be in for a lot of pain if you do that. He brings up Aaron uh, Pareda. Why would you even bring it up? Why don't, just don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do it to us. Yeah, I mean the. Uh, I mean now now that we're headed down that lane. I mean Lance Broadway. I mean. Oof. You know, and like you know, the thing is, is that you know, there's lots of uh, there's lots of first rounders that oh, Kyle McCullough, oh, um, there's there's lots of first rounders with every team that don't make it. Damn it, Jim! Good God, man! But uh, I feel like uh, what's his name on uh, the old uh, Star Trek? Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, I I will say, Good you know, like the God, the the first round picks not working out. Uh, it's not really all that shocking because first rounders don't make it, don't make it uh, quite a bit, but, uh, you would think that when, you know, your team is played as badly as it has and had some nice draft picks that there would be at least, you know, a little bit more, well, I mean, more to show than, than has been. It, these aren't just your general first rounders either. These are third and fourth overall picks. Well, couple of them well f- how about this uh fourth through s- 
what, eight or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, Birdie was, what, eight or nine, actually. I thought he was nine. It might be eight. I think Birdie but was yeah. later. I thought was he? Birdie, Birdie was, the, was a compensation pick in the first round, I thought. Uh, oh, was he? Comp pick. Oh, no, for... I'm sorry. Not Birdie. I'm thinking of uh, oh, the other clown we just talked about, the pitcher that didn't make it. Oh, that, he's got a brother. Why did I? We just talked about Zach his name. No, I'm drawing a blank. He's got a brother. No, no. Oh, yeah, he does have a brother. You're right. No, the <laughs> other guy that's got a brother, uh, Fulmer. Oh, Fulmer's got a brother? Yeah, Kurt. Or no, maybe I'm, I'm confusing. He doesn't have a brother. There's no relation. No relation Michael. between him between him right. and Michael Fulmer, who's right, the right. Uh, closer. They're actually, for not the even the same Cubs. spelling. There's there's one L versus two. But, uh, right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. I thought I thought Michael Fulmer was only one L, but I could be uh, maybe wrong. Maybe I'm just stepping in it all over the place here, man. <laughs> yeah, it's Wouldn't just be the one. first time, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's okay. one for both of them. But I mean, you know, no, I get he it. was. I think he was eight or nine actually. Oh, yeah, God. he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think both of those guys were both. Uh, let me see here, Michael Fulmer. Let's see when he was drafted. Michael Fulmer, overall pick 44 for the Mets in 2011. I think, I think Carson was 8th or nine. Overall. Yeah, he was. Yeah. ninth, ninth. I want to say. Yeah, that one was a... Uh, and, you know, like, the thing was is that uh, me and Grimtall have talked about this one at, at, at length, you know, is that, you know, as he is a uh, a Dodgers guy, you know, he gets to well, not not lately, oh, anyway, but you know the Walker Bueller thing, being on the same Vandy team as Carson Fulmer. Um, you know everybody had Carson Fulmer ranked above Walker Bueller at the time. All of the Bueller experts. Um, yeah, he was picked eighth. Bueller. Carson Fulmer. Um, and Walker Bueller's obviously had a uh, you know even with the nasty nasty injury. Um, still much better career than Carson Fulmer. So I mean, it's just you don't one of the, say. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just one of those things, you know. I like I don't know whether the White Sox are to necessarily blame for that one, but it's generally not a good idea when you draft somebody to immediately try and change their mechanics as soon as like get there, especially when it's somebody yeah. with a uh, a very um customized. You know, uh, delivery, if you if you'd like yeah. to call it that. You know, it's a, a very uh, personal thing just to him. Nobody else had that uh, that herky jerky thing, and yeah. No, the Sox, the, the Sox basically said, "Oh, we saw something like this out of Chris Sale, where his delivery was kind of weird, and we were worried he's going to get injured. We're not going to let that happen to you, so we're just going to break you right off the bat." <laughs> yep. Oh. Uh, speaking of uh, Chris Sale, um, still waiting for Noah Schultz to make his debut. Um, he's been dealing with some sort of, a, I believe, an oblique, if I remember correctly uh, what it was. Um, but he's dealing with an oblique. Uh, we had Cannon come back from injury. We had uh, Peyton Paulette come back from injury. Uh, rehabbing from Tommy John when we drafted him. He's been pitching. Tanner McDougal 
made his first start a few weeks back, uh, probably about, a, you know, three weeks, a month ago. And uh, he's had some good outings. He's also had some issues with command. Um, but some of those guys, you know, that we've been waiting to see are finally starting to uh, finally starting to throw. So hopefully we get no Schultz here at some point. So I'd, lo- I'd really like to see that massive dude out on the mound. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's got to, I, I can't imagine what the tunneling for him looks like when you're, what is it? Six eleven or whatever he is. Six, nine, six, six, nine. Right. I think he's, I think he's six, maybe six eleven. Yeah. I think he's, I, he's up there. Yeah. I, I just revert back to that, that, uh, the picture in spring training of him walking six, nine close side by side with, in the middle. Uh, Oh, with Peyton Noah Paulette Schultz and and Peyton Paulette yeah. side by side, and uh, it looked like uh, you know Peyton Paulette could have been like his child walking next to him, uh, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, well, yeah. they, like the body type was exactly the same. It's just that one was far larger, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, that guy's massive. I, I'm interested in seeing him, um, but we'll see when that happens. Um, other guys dealing with injury. Um, Colson Montgomery. St- uh, he was rehabbing from one thing and then another thing happened. And he has not made his way out yet. He's still on the IL for the dash. Um, and then uh, Brian Ramos as well. Also, after, you know, he got a, he tweaked his back in, <clears throat> in spring training. And he hasn't made his way to an affiliate either. So, you know, it's just another one of those guys that waiting to see and hoping to see some, you know, I mean, Ramos looked great in spring training, so I can't imagine that he's going to come back and look terrible. So, you know, you muted. I'm sure you see. There you are. I'm on. No, I'm unmuted. I was muted. I, you know, I have a sick dog who's got some dementia and she's, you know, doing her dementia thing at nighttime. She's uh, over here wandering around and getting into things and looking confused. So I had to mute myself while I got the dog's attention. <laughs> so I apologize for oh, that, folks. All good. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you know, there's still, you know. We haven't seen, you know, just like with the Major League Ball Club, we haven't seen um, all the guys that we're supposed to be seeing in the minors either. So, uh, you know, hopefully within the next couple of weeks here, we finally get to uh, lay eyes upon these guys for the first time this season, other than spring training. I don't count count that. So No, uh, you know, always nice to look forward to something new to talk about around here. Uh and you know, you you only hope that uh, these guys continue to develop the way that uh, we all hoped for. Uh, you know, these are not small names that we're talking about here. These are guys that you know are hope to have big potential. So, definitely uh, looking forward to seeing more from uh, all of them. Really, yeah. I mean, uh, there's been some good things. You know, Jose Rodriguez looks like he's turning a little bit of a corner. He started a little bit slow to start the season. He's had a couple of home runs here in the last week, and. Uh, Yoelki Cespedes has hit 
a few home runs as well. So uh, I think he leads the Barons in home runs right now. I think he's got like four. There hasn't been nice. There's there's been uh, the uh, offense in Birmingham has not uh, taken off as much as I had hoped. Well, and you know, power is always a little bit down in Birmingham, uh, just because of the park. You know that that place plays like a, you know, like a giant kind of coliseum type baseball park. So, uh, you know, I think when uh, when the bats come around, you probably still won't see a huge uptick in power. But you, you know, you always hope for a little bit better batting average. Because of the larger park, you know, and the bigger alleys in, in the, you know, the gaps in left and center or uh, left center and right center. You'd hope that these guys kind of spray the ball a little bit more in those gaps, keep those outfielders running around a little bit. But it just hasn't uh, come to fruition as of yet. Yeah, I think there's uh, due to the lack of power bats. I think some of the guys that are in the order have been maybe pushing a little bit harder trying to be that guy. And, uh you know, it's not necessarily a hundred percent their strength, and right. um, you know, like Luis Miesis, uh last year led the the Sal in uh, in doubles, and he did hit some home runs. You know, but uh, his bat slowed down a little bit in uh, in Birmingham, and you know, who's to know what exactly the issue is? Whether it's you know he's trying to hit the ball over the fence too much. You know, trying to compensate because, you know, the Barons' record hasn't necessarily been there very well, you know, so so far this year. So, I mean, is it that he's, you know, pushing to do that, that everybody's pushing to try and hit home runs? You know, who knows? So, uh, I don't know. We'll see what see what happens there. And, you know, like, like I said, you know, Colson Montgomery, you know, if he's if he's healthy that's going to do some shuffling, whether it's moving somebody down to advance day, whether it's moving somebody up to, you know, up to double A, uh, you know, or moving somebody to triple A, whether, you know, Brian Ramos comes back, whether that moves somebody one way or the other, you know, and introduces a little bit more power to that lineup. Um, you know, like we saw in Project Birmingham last year when they brought all these kids up from all these you know, from a ball advanced day and dumped them all into double a, some of them were still hitting and still hitting home runs. So it's not like, you know, these guys aren't capable of hitting for power. I think just the, the problem is, is that there's not uh protection in the lineup. So they're not seeing, uh, you know, they're not getting the respect that they were getting last year when, right. you know, you had five or six guys in the lineup that everybody said, okay, this guy can hit the ball hard and hit it out. So you don't have that kind of protection from the pitching. So the the guys aren't afraid to throw those uh, really nasty sliders on 3-2 because they know if they walk a guy that can hit the ball out, the next guy they're pitching to, they don't have to necessarily worry about as much, you know, as more of a singles or doubles hitter, you know? so right. Ah, uh, minor league baseball talk. I figured yeah. this was a nice night for it because uh, nobody wants to talk about the White Sox. You know, I mean, we did get some yeah. uh, some positive developments from them in the last week. Um, 
but then they had to come yeah. out tonight and do that nonsense and just take the wind out of those well, sails. And you know that the positive developments that, that did happen, uh, you know, I think we pretty much in a very short period of time covered them rather quickly because there isn't a ton to talk about. Luis Robert woke up a little bit. They strung together some wins. Uh, you know, all fantastic things, but in the grand scheme of things, they're still well below 500 and trying to claw their way back into central. So, you know, great to see some winning baseball, uh, enjoyable, fun to watch baseball, but uh, I'm still in this state of, you know, like I said, early in the show, are we seeing better baseball? Are we just running into an easier strength of schedule? Uh, the rest of the month of May uh, is on the easier side when it comes to strength of schedule. So maybe we see them claw their way back even more. But, uh, you know, after watching some pretty inept baseball for some time, I think, you know, I'll speak for myself, but I think I'm probably speaking for a lot of the fan base. And we're still in that state of you got to show me more. You got to show me something because that kind of a start early in the season, the month of April is the kind of start that can not only knock you back a few notches can almost put you out altogether. You know, the, and we've said this before, the only reason that they're really, I mean, obviously we want to stay optimistic because this is our favorite baseball team. We want to see them win some games. And aside from, you know, a, a 20 game winning streak, you know, a la the A's, uh, Really, all I want to see is them come out and win a bunch of series. And, you know, if you can go two out of three, three out of four, which, I mean, that's a lot of winning baseball. But if you can do that over this period in May where the strength of schedule is uh, definitely on the weaker side, then, uh, you know, maybe we can start discussing some things. But that April is the kind of, that's the kind of baseball that you, you can knock yourself out of the playoffs rather quickly. And if it wasn't for that week division, in a lot of other divisions, your season might have been over already. So that's that, man. Well, I mean, one thing that I have heard is that if you win more than you lose, that's good. So that's what I'm going to hope for. Uh, you know what? I've I've heard something similar, and that's all I'm hoping for myself. I'm I'm just a uh, amateur statistician, but. Uh, you know, from my little experience that I do have, more wins than losses is generally good. I mean, you know, if we can get to 82 and 80 at the end of the season, it's a one-game improvement on last year. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> With a first-year manager, um, you know, one thing that we haven't talked about, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but uh, what if you lose more than the Dodgers win? Yeah, what if? It's not going to happen. I'm telling you. Yeah, I don't think that's even possible. Yeah, because I mean, like the not Dodgers are going to anyway. win probably like probably going to end up still winning ninety five games, and I don't see the White Sox losing ninety five games. You know, I mean, they could lose eighty seven, eighty eight. I guess. I mean, from what we've seen so far, if they don't uh, really drastically turn around and get some nice winning streaks in here, they could absolutely win. You know, lose eighty-seven, eighty-eight games. But 
you know. Well, and I, you know, in order to do that, I think this team, you're going to, and I'm going to knock on wood when I say this here, but, uh, you know, the, the injury bug is going to have to continue to be a thing. Because as we've seen, Tim Anderson comes back and provides a spark. And, you know, like you said, Luis Roberts starts to hit the ball and we get a couple of guys back healthy. And, you know, speaking of guys coming back healthy, Liam Hendricks is doing oh, his well, thing. Oh, yeah. Mancada. Uh, Yoan Mancada is doing his thing. But. And, but, you know, we lose Aloy for four, four to six, to six weeks. weeks. With so, I mean, it, it, it's never, it never seems like we're getting over that hump where everybody, right. That look on your face right there. It just seems like you can't get the core group that, that was meant to be playing together every day when this team was built. And we talk about roster construction over and over and over. One of those subjects that's just never going to go away with this team the way it is right now. But, you know, if you have the healthy core group that was meant to play together for years and years over and over, this team looks great on paper. Problem is, is we can't get that core group all together at the same time for more than a handful of games for the last few years. And now here we are in 2023 and we're going through the same darn thing. And granted the alloy thing. I mean, it's not like it's on the strength and conditioning staff. You know what I mean? Nobody can predict that, uh, you know, big baby is going to go out with a, you know, a burst appendix. You, you just you don't see those things coming, but yeah. it's still it's like what in the actual is there a curse, you know? And I'm not one of those people that believes in curses, but I'm uh, not either. There's said it's a, a dark cloud. Yeah, what'd you say? I I told him I was like, you know, like when we heard that uh, he he told we were driving the other day, and he told you know he he gets the alert on his phone that uh, Eloy left with uh, abdominal pain, and I was like, oh, it's a. a, a an append- appendicitis. I was like, he's going to have an appendectomy. And he's going to be out for weeks. <laughs> like two hours later, news comes out. Appendectomy. I was like, are you kidding? I mean, like, you can't even make this stuff up. I mean, it's and you talk about roster construction. At this point, it doesn't even... I mean, this is cons- concerning the guys that aren't part of that roster construction talk. You know, because Elo is supposed to be an outfielder. Yoan Mankata is supposed to be a third baseman. You know, like, all these guys had their positions, and we were supposed to fill in the other stuff around them. Like, right. And Robert, like, these guys are all guys that were supposed to have positions. You know, it's like all the other stuff. You know, like the the burger sheets, you know, like having, like, a bunch of guys who are third base, first base, DH types, you know, with, you know, Andrew Vaughn and Jose Abreu. Yeah, that stuff, yes. Roster construction. But... Like all these guys that were supposed to be the cornerstones of this franchise, and every single one of them can't manage to stay on the field for more than four weeks at a time. You know, right. without being out for four weeks, it's brutal, yeah. man. It, you know, I mean, if you <laughs> roster construction wouldn't even be a conversation if they were healthy. If they could stay healthy, be, but they never can. You know, I mean, yeah. like you could, you could have those guys. And it would be a completely different conversation about Rick Hahn filling in pieces around these guys. The problem is, is that they all go away for months at a time, and he has to take those little filler piece guys, and those guys end up being a, a full-time role. 
which then they're exposed, and then it looks like, hey, why did you sign this guy? He's terrible. Well, yeah, in the position of completely filling in as a day-to-day player, yeah, he's terrible. Like Hanser Alberto, you know, I wouldn't want him as a everyday player, but at this point with Berger injured, with Moncada injured, you know, it's like who else is yeah, supposed Tim to play Anderson third base? Missed a good yeah, exactly. Time. You know, he's going to be playing a lot. Uh, you know, he's Leori 2.0. Unfortunately. You know, but it, it, at least he can hit better than, you know, the Mendoza line in, in most cases. With a little bit more power anyway, you know, like I I don't even necessarily expect him to hit higher than 235 or whatever, you know, like I don't expect him to do better than that, but at least he'll do it with a little bit more power than Larry had, which is, which is fine. And like, I think he's a little bit more of a competent defender in more than one position as well. Yeah. We all know Larry really wasn't uh, a competent defender, you know, anywhere. And he couldn't run the bases to save his life. Lots of stupid mistakes. And, like, the thing was is that, you know, like, he dug his own grave in spring training this year with all the stupid mistakes he made. Like, just unforced stupid mental errors. Like, that was – that I'm 100% certain that that's why Pedro is like, I need Hanser Alberto because this guy is a a court jester, you know? Wow. He's just got yeah, this hat I mean, on I, with, know, like, bells I, I, on top of it, you know, and just dancing yeah. around in his little, uh, uh, what is that, the with the diamonds on it. I forget what that pattern's called. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Argyle? Yeah, I know. Is it Argyle? Argyle. Yeah, I think it is Argyle. Something like that. Something. Anyway. Yeah. yeah terrible. And, like, he, he, you know, he cost himself his own job by, by just not paying attention to what he was doing and being a very low IQ baseball player, which, you know, is unfortunate because I hear that he's a really, you know, I, he was very nice to uh, Cole Tony, gave him a baseball. Seems like a really, really nice guy. Met him at uh, Sox prom one year. Super nice guy. Um, But, you know, there's lots of nice people that are bad at their jobs. I, you know, like I said, I don't want I don't want to say anything bad about the guy other than he just wasn't an everyday starter, you know. Yep. I, and he did do some things to help he did. the team get through the worst years of the rebuild. He you did. Know? He, he gave us some entertaining moments. He came through clutch a few times when you needed him to. Everybody's going to remember the home run in the playoffs. It's true that meant next to nothing, but uh, <laughs> you know he'll be remembered for that. But, you know, when you're talking about building a winning baseball club, this is not the guy you want to see on the field day in and day out. And you don't definitely want to see him playing seven different positions because the guys that are supposed to be in the field are not there. And I mean, you he's know? not Chris it, Taylor. Just, no. The storyline is, is it, we wouldn't even be talking about Leary the way we are right now if the other guys could stay healthy the last couple of seasons. And they couldn't. They haven't been able to. And now we get into these conversations, like you said, where it's constant talk about roster construction. Uh, It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And, you know, blame Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn all you want. Blame the strength and conditioning staff. Blame ownership for not bringing in the proper 
uh, staff to make sure that these guys are conditioned and trained in ways to keep themselves healthy. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is when you're bit by these injuries over and over and over again, probably not going to win, you know, World Series. You're not going to be a contender year in and year out. It just is what it is. Nobody. There isn't a team in baseball that has a core of players that you can take two or three guys out for two, three months at a time and have them go on to win the entire thing. Yep. I mean, you see see it with the Yankees, you know, when Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge are having all the health problems, they're nowhere near first place. They're at the bottom of their division right now. Uh, Yep. And that's that's been the thing. It's trying to keep those two guys healthy. And, I mean, shocker when the two best players on the team are both injured, the team doesn't go anywhere. And you also had injuries to uh, Garrett Cole at one point and Carlos Rodon with his, his back injury. Like, that dude, talk about snake bit again, you know? Yeah. He came from here, yeah, so I guess it shouldn't be a surprise. A, right. Now, and you know, those folks that said don't sign Carlos Rodon because he's injury uh, geniuses right now. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, you know, we saw last season what I thought was going to be the, you know, the rest of Carlos Rodon's career, but it's coming yeah. out now that the now the disc thing is going to be a chronic issue. Yeah, and uh, that could be a uh, kick in the butt for the rest of his career. So yep. brutal, man. And it's yeah, like I hope the best for him. Obviously, really. I mean, dude, I wanted that guy. I wanted that guy to stick around forever, but yep. uh, that wasn't in the stars, and neither is his health. Yeah, it's just completely unrelated to all the things that everybody said that was going to go wrong with him. You know, everybody's like, yeah, oh, that guy's arm's going to fall off. Issue. Yeah, and it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's like a couple feet away from his shoulder, you know. But, uh, yeah, whatever whatever you say, man. Um, anyway, I should might as well call it there because uh, I don't want to get too off a, off on a tangent here because you know we will. And I don't want to yeah, do that. No, and it is, these are all things that we've talked about in the past. There's no reason to beat that horse the indeed you know i agree bludgeoning at this point uh white socks daily dot substack dot com you can find this podcast uh also you can find the stream on youtube uh just search white socks daily also you can search white socks daily on facebook we have a group there as well um at daily white socks on twitter my name is ian eskridge i eskridge on twitter my co-host danny miller at Danny Miller WSD. Uh, for myself and the Danny Miller, you guys have a great night, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks for popping in. Appreciate it. Bye.